Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's still at the bottom of the ocean, my worst submersible in history? Uh, there we go. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was nice, huh? That was good. Respectful of, of uh, the deceased. I mean, um, sure. <laughs> It's the most submerged submersible in history. Look, in terms of being submerged, it did its job with a plomb. Yeah. You know, it is under the fucking water as hell. <laughs> so none of these other submersibles lasted that, except for maybe the Kursk. Yeah. Um, but it's <laughs> great, up there. great moments. It's like a, it's like a top 20 history. submersible yeah. in terms of how fucking underwater it is. Staying. Yeah, it's it is super under the goddamn water. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> how are we doing on this glorious week? Uh, you, you, you having a good one? Enjoying the Monday? You know, good. Uh, better than some folks, let's just say. Um, I guess worse than some other folks. Better than some folks. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the middle. Yeah, I'm feeling better than both submersible uh, uh, rich people who love submersibles and I'm feeling better than many members of the Russian government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we, we had a little break for there to be a, a, a mutiny. I'm very happy there was a mutiny in Russia. You know, outside of a variety of geopolitical reasons, primarily because like how long has it been since we've had a mutiny? Like in the news, like a real ass mutiny. That just doesn't happen often anymore. Listen, listen, Russian, Russian revolutions, robber barons, the 19th century into Mm -hmm. the 20th century's back, baby. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The Titanic's (laughs) killing people again. It's all coming back. (laughs) History never changes. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. All we need now is, is for European powers to get us into a disastrous conflict and forget that machine guns exist. Um, We're, 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 we're knocking everything off one by one. it's gonna we're heading in that direction. Yeah. It's, so it's speaking great. of easily predictable disasters with a high body count, let's return to the story of Stockton Rush. <laughs> um yeah. 
Good, good shit. Um, so in 2009, <laughs> yes. our, our, our boy Stockton founded Ocean Gate Incorporated, uh, which is both the funniest name he could have possibly <laughs> picked for a company that was about to become uh, infamous for killing a bunch of rich people. Um, really? Yeah, the, uh, the goal, it, it is quite yeah. a choice, huh? Like, yeah. Did you not think about Does the he, only did, things that have is, gate? Is there an explanation them, for why? Like, yeah my guess is because like you know it's your gateway to the ocean and to, to deep sea exploration but you were around in the 90s stockton like you you know what we use that word for i mean the full name of the company should be ocean gate parenthesis gate like a door not like that kind of gate never mind it's gonna be fine get it no, no 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 and parenthesis. not like not like a water gate thing <laughs> yeah, I would have called it, yeah, absolutely safe submersibles incorporated, but he didn't. Uh, so the goal of the company was to deliver manned submersible solutions to the private market. Now, because Stockton did not yet know how to design submarines or submersibles, we are using the word interchangeably as regular people, but they are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. A submersible needs needs a bigger boat that takes it around to places. Um, a submarine is is a boat in and of itself. I think that's more or less accurate. Um, So since he didn't really know how to make either subs or submersibles, he he and his partner bought two functional subs and started kind of like hacking them, (laughs) which makes sense, right? Their goal was like to have, uh, you know, kind of figure out the basics so that they could eventually build a multi-person submersible that could handle 4,000 meters of depth. Yeah, he's a kit guy. Yeah, he's a kit. He's kit bashing. Yeah. He's kit bashing his way to, to, to James Cameron status. That's the goal. Um, they started with a pair of conventional oh submersibles, the Cyclops and the Cyclops 2. Uh, but the Cyclopses, the Cyclopi, Cy, I don't know what the plural of, of, of Cyclops is would be but the the two cyclops submarines couldn't handle the trip that he wanted to make down to the to the, where the Titanic is. Um, but having those early submersibles allowed Rush to kind of start building a business. Um, now, th- this was not like a money business, right? Rich people don't have to make businesses that make money, <laughs> as we all learned from Uber. Yeah. It's okay to be in continually lighting piles of money on fire as long as you're like establishing your place in the market. And so yeah. his kind of plan also was basically see Netflix. I'll, I may have. Yeah, see Netflix, see most of the companies yeah. is outside of Apple in like the modern <laughs> tech industry. Yeah. Oh. Jesus Christ, I know. It's 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 pretty May cool. they all so end his, his like attitude Ocean Gate. It would be really funny if Netflix was like, you know what? We're gonna go down to the <laughs> to the Titanic now. <laughs> Everyone who pays $7.99 a month uh gets a seat in our in our giant death sub. Um but no. So his his basic idea is like, I'm going to start taking just rich people on dives, you know, not to the Titanic, but to other, you know, less deep shipwrecks. And that'll get, you know, that'll start building buzz. Right. That's kind of a big part of his plan was like getting famous people, um, taking them down there, <laughs> trusting that the majesty of the sea and being in a submersible would like make them evangelists for the brand. Um and that would allow him to get kind of the investment dollars initially, eventually that he needed to move on with his more ambitious plan. The Titan, a submersible made with all the hubris of the Titanic <laughs> and the size per footprint of a Chevy Suburban. Um, it's awesome how he was, his business plan was like clout is better than physics. 
Yeah, it <laughs> it is. Well, because it's one of those things like people are inherently like intense experiences have a mind altering, especially like ones where you're at risk of dying, have a kind of mind altering effect. Like if you take somebody to an intense place and they feel like they might die the whole time and then they don't <laughs> you they get kind of a high you know like that's right. why war works the way that it does in a lot of cases um so <laughs> that was i think that was kind of the idea is like these people would like walk away just kind of like unable to stop talking about this thing which is why it's really interesting he seems to have had a huge base of contacts there's since this all went pear-shaped a bunch of different famous people have been like, oh, yeah, like we were talking about going out. He offered us a ride. And it's interesting to me that like given how unknown he was kind of before the sub went down, relatively speaking, how well connected he is. And I think it was because of this, because he was kind of building this this uh, undersea influencer right. network of like famous people and rich people who just really liked doing this. Um, right. Not a bad plan, at least in terms of like building his company. Um, so the problem with the plan was that he wanted to make this big submersible, um, with space for a larger crew than basically any of the, um, any of the, like the deep water diving vessels had had previously, you know, you'd had those Russian subs and stuff that could carry uh, a crew. But when you're looking at like, you know, the different national, like deep water exploration vessels or like James Cameron's vessel, they were made for like generally one person. And they usually had like the 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 actual the pressure barrier which is like the part of the submersible that was meant to actually protect the human being was usually yeah. made out of like titanium or some sort of special steel which is what you'd expect <laughs> um this is right. the reliable safe way to do it uh and rush chose not to do the reliable safe way to do it basically after like this i think like the last big submersible disaster was in like the early 70s it was these guys who were like laying deep water cable off the coast of ireland and then something went wrong and they got stuck 1500 feet down. Um, they both got rescued. It was like a real, they had like 12 minutes of air left when they got Fuck. saved. So it was a fucking close thing. Oh. Um, yeah, it sounded like a nightmare, but it was one of those, like it was survivable because the pressure barrier didn't fail. Yes. Right. Like everything else went wrong, but like they did not explode. Right. Um, <laughs> And you can survive most things aside from exploding. Yeah. Um, for a while, at least. So the industry, all I say industry, it's more of like a subculture of all of the uh, the kind of weird undersea I think nerds. James Cameron calls it a community. Yeah. A community. Yeah. I mean, it's, they kind it's of, the subculturist of all subcultures, the subs. Yeah. Yeah, it's the subest. <laughs> so, the literal subculture built a bunch of safety rules about like here is how you make a pressure barrier. These are the different like things you want to make sure your 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 vessel has. And they kind of voluntarily adopted these standards, and it worked really well because nobody died. Like in the last like since everyone listening to this podcast basically has been alive, no one has died doing these kind of like crazy deep water right. dives. Um, which is wild when you think about what they're doing, <laughs> right? You know, that they're going to a place less explored than f the fucking moon. Um, and, uh, uh, that it was so safe, but Stockton rush is like, I'm going to ignore all of the things that they've been doing. I'm going to ignore like all of the requirements they have for these vessels. And instead I'm going to make this motherfucker out of carbon ass fiber. <laughs> now, 
<laughs> carbon fiber it's one of those i you, you remember when it was special when like we would hear about like this amazing space aids carbon fiber and all the like obviously it's got a lot of uses it's, it's great material for certain yeah, things for um for over the water things pretty good for, for things not in the water maybe yeah. <laughs> not under the water yeah. maybe might make a great boat yeah. i don't know That's i'm not true. a boat Who maker knows? Who knows? uh yeah but uh yeah so stockton was kind of obsessed with the fact that carbon fiber has three times the strength to buoyancy ratio of titanium uh which he brought up constantly people who were you know didn't think this was a good idea would be like, yeah, but it like has terrible compressive strength. Yeah. Like if you, it's, it's great if you're trying to like push it certain ways, but if you're trying to push it the way that pressure works underwater, it's, it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's also when like metal, the different metals they used for these things have the ability to kind of bend and flex to an extent. Whereas carbon fiber is super strong, but when it breaks, it just, it, it, it breaks real bad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty it, it's, good it's, metaphor it's, for all tech stuff that it's like a space age fiber, yeah. a space age material. It works really well at one thing and catastrophically bad at everything else. And it's, you know, it, it it's also a great tech industry kind of metaphor because the, the defining thing about the defining like cultural aspect of big tech is its inability to leave well enough alone. Right. right. You can't just be like, oh, hey, subway systems can work really well. And a lot of the most livable cities in the world have public transit. You have to be like, no, we're going to dig undersea hole or underwater holes and we're going to drive yeah. Teslas under them and they'll have yeah. no fire escapes. Um, yeah. And likewise, it kind of seems like at least from the reading I've done, it kind of seems like the submersible industry. There wasn't any room to really like disrupt or innovate like cameras get a little better right. batteries get a little better but the basics of the thing that goes yeah. underwater and keeps you alive is always going to be the same it's a big metal Thinking thing like a big metal sphere generally. i can beat titanium is listen i mean the whole tech industry yeah. is just like the ultimate participation trophy all these bozos coming up with ideas that already exist and no one has like no one has ever told them their ideas are wrong or bad and then they get to make them and you know bankrupt existing people yeah, yeah, and Horrible. then yeah, Uber yeah. lights tens of billions of dollars on fire. Um, yeah, this is he's kind of doing that. He's got he's he's just he's not doing this. I, I mean, there, there's a couple other reasons <laughs> as we'll get into, but yeah, yeah. Uh, carbon fiber bad idea for this sort of boat. Now, people had tried to use it before for submersibles in the early 2000s. Richard Branson had funded an explorer named Steve Fawcett who wanted to make like <laughs> an airplane shaped carbon fiber submarine. That could basically fly to the bottom of the channel and, and back Every up. Every name in this story <laughs> is somehow funny. <laughs> well, and Fawcett's really because Fawcett was like a legitimate explorer. He was also like known as this guy who repeatedly nearly oh. died and like would cost various governments yeah. a shitload of money rescuing him. And then he'd be like, well, I'm not <laughs> I'm not paying Fuck for that and get himself into another disaster. Yeah. You and eventually want, he died you in a mysterious to keep plane crash. out of your thing. That's that's the <laughs> lesson. <here. laughs> yeah, you might not take his advice on this. And he never got to build it because he was involved in a mysterious plane crash that became the most expensive rescue effort in in modern history. Oh, I guess up until this sub went down. This is um, why we got to stop yeah. paying taxes because they just go to these bozos once exactly. again. <laughs> exactly. So that they can fly their planes into the sides of canyons. Oh, um, God. So m anyway. Uh, yeah, as kind of, 
he starts moving along and building this and, and testing it out in, in shorter dives. Various people within the industry, including like literally James Cameron, start reaching out and being like, hey, I don't know about this. Feels like it, it might be not the best idea ever. And Rush ignores them. Uh, he told Smithsonian Magazine, there hasn't been an injury in the commercial sub industry in over 35 years. It's obscenely safe because they have all these regulations. <laughs> but it also hasn't innovated or grown because they have all these regulations. <laughs> obscenely safe it's too <laughs> safe it makes me sick no one's killed a sub full of people in decades he he did he saw his his opening and went for it it's so funny yeah. that every quote from him is just him doing like the jack off motion at the idea of safety regulations yeah. <laughs> i'm just imagining him like coming out in like a black turtleneck like steve jobs <laughs> and being like and now for something insanely great, a boat that kills a shitload of people. <laughs> what if we got more people to die at the Titanic wreck? Oh, it's man. all about scale, Robert. So it's all funny. about fighting the scale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's instead of basically instead of doing the things that engineers had been doing for decades to make this stuff safe, he invented an entirely new kind of safety device. Um, it was called, he called it an acoustic monitoring system, uh, which could detect the sound of micro buckling before it, it being the carbon fiber fails. <laughs> now, nothing like this had ever been used on, on a submersible. Uh, it was untested technology. And again, people who like worked with him, people who knew what he was doing, warned him like, Hey, it kind of seems like this is the kind of thing that will only give you a warning right before you yeah. die. Like, it'll let you know, like, and that's that's what happened. Like, a minute before they all died, it said, hey, the structure's failing, so they tried to ascend, and then it imploded. Yeah. It's, um, it's so wild that his big safety plan was a robot that goes, damn, that shit sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like the bad idea bot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he gets this fucking carbon fiber hole made. He, get the, he, he, he rush orders it, too. It's like a two-week deal. Um, <laughs> It's a five-inch thick hole made by a specialist and assembled into a submersible with a, a seven-inch porthole um, put on by OceanGate. One of the things he does is he attaches carbon fiber to titanium. The end cap of this thing with the porthole is titanium. People didn't do that because titanium and carbon fiber, when put together and, and put under seawater, corrode in specific ways that are yeah. really bad. Um, <laughs> but he was like, fuck it, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. Like, I haven't found a reason why he thought this would be okay. He seems to have just been like, I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, I, felt, I thought I so, saw something where he was like, everyone says you can't do it. So that's yeah, like, I was about to there. We did it. It is sort of shocking how much the engineering of this thing is just a Pringles can. It's like really wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only basically everyone says, as everyone points out, there's only really two shapes. Something like this could be made. Sure. The ideal one is a sphere or you make the less ideal shape. A Pringles can, <laughs> as you call it. He goes with Pringles can. And I want to play this clip of him because it, it really it, it, it makes it, it gives you an idea of how fucking arrogant this guy was. You remember as an innovator, um, I think it was General MacArthur said you're remembered for the rules you break. And, you know, I've broken some rules to make this. I think I've broken them with with logic and good engineering behind me. The carbon fiber and titanium. There's a rule you don't do that. Well, I did. It's pink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that like 
he's 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 being like quoting Douglas MacArthur positively <laughs> here. Like the guy who the guy who attempted to invade North Korea and then got his ass kicked. <laughs> like Douglas MacArthur, yeah. just like yeah, he got he got a lot of nineteen year olds killed. I feel like I could too. <laughs> <laughs> good call man i mean um, good call it is it is like honestly crazy how much every single thing he says is wrong it, it's like shocking it's like it's like if if we learned that he was a time traveler sent back from whatever he got you know he got vaporized and then that sent him to the future and then he figured out how to way to send himself back and he was his only goal was to say the funniest possible thing about his death it's crazy <laughs> see now i'm I, I, i'm trying not to like i'm trying to like really uh ride the middle of the of the not being too crude about this line but now i'm thinking about like maybe Stockton Rush came from the future where Skynet took yeah. over, and like the billionaires on this sub were all of the guys who invested on the ground floor of that. And he's like, "Look, the Terminator thing that created too much of a mess. We don't want a big shootout with the LAPD. I gotta find a quieter way to stop <laughs> Skynet from getting off the ground. <laughs> like invite Miles Dyson to yeah. go underwater with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a big Titanic head." <laughs> That is that is the thing that really uh, like Terminator 2 gets wrong is like how easy it is to kill billionaires simply by like you don't need guns or tech people or billionaires just like appeal to their idiot ego. They'll fucking kill themselves. It's great. It is funny that like the least realistic part of the movie Terminator 2 is not like the time travel or the robots with living skin, but the fact that when Miles Dyson was told, to, like when this tech entrepreneur was told your product will kill the yeah. world, he was like, well, time for me to die stopping it instead of being like, oh, I, I better do another round of VC funding. <laughs> uh, so when they finish building this, this stupid the key. <laughs> when when it was done uh they first did an unmanned test up to i think around ten thousand feet with this thing and then as soon as like it didn't explode stockton took it down alone past ten thousand feet and against all expert advice the experts were like you should probably do it more than once before you put anyone in it right like human life is generally oh you don't think it's precious okay it's yeah. fine it's whatever <laughs> you know and at this point honestly that's fine like if this had remained a, a crazy man who wanted to build his own terrible submarine and he had died alone exploring the bottom, of, that would be romantic. Yeah. People would be writing songs about him, you know, the lone maniac who who just loved the ocean so much and didn't really understand carbon fiber enough. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, his plan is, again, to sell tickets on this thing. Um now, there were some signs in his maiden voyage that this thing was was not safe. It stalled out uh, at like 10,000 feet below <laughs> the surface for a while for reasons they couldn't determine. And then it lost contact for like a couple of hours with the, the team on the boat. And he didn't notice. He was like so excited piloting it that he didn't even realize he'd lost contact for a while. 
Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote from Smithsonian here. He had chosen to pilot Titan alone in case anything went unexpectedly wrong, he said. But he also wanted to be only the second person to travel solo to at least that depth. The other being James Cameron, who in 2012 took an Australian-built sub into the Mariana Trench, reaching Challenger Deep, the ocean's deepest point, touching down at close to 36,000 feet. That's a nice club to be a part of, Rush says. <laughs> And that that kind of makes it clear he he doesn't he's not a scientist. He wants famous yeah. explorer clout, right? He's not saying I want to test this, I want to do this. He's saying like I want my name on like a list, right? Yeah. Like I want to I want to I want to do the, you know, check off the box on the famous explorer list. That that is He's just kind of The thing that's been hard is yeah. how much of this uh, conversation this last couple of days has been like these people were explorers and it's like they really weren't. Like they were not figuring yeah. anything out. Like, look, guys, aside from very niche facts about how boats underwater decompose, there's nothing left we're going to learn about the Titanic. Yeah. It's we did. We did it like we've done a lot of time, spent a lot of time looking at that dead boat. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like the it's it's just uh, it's clout. It's all clout seeking. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of the. um that's like why they went with that's why he went with, you know, this less safe shape is because he wanted to be able to take people um, with him so that they could then brag about this stuff. He just wanted to make sure he was first. Um, he was also yeah. the reason why ultimately he's making this out of carbon fiber is because that will make it light and that will make it cheaper than the other methods of making submersibles. Um, and that means that it'll be like a big, heavy titanium or metal, you know, diving vessel it takes a big boat to bring it around because like it's so heavy. Um, whereas right. he thought this thing, you could take it around on smaller boats. You could make a bunch of them and Ugh. you could have them operating for a lot less money in a fast company. Again, I just want to say, you, you, you know, you do, you got to kill people with, with, uh, with scale. That's the key that he found. Yeah, exactly. Like we got to be able to get a bunch of these out. It's like Uber's long-term plan was to get profitable by f making autonomous cars and forcing out drivers. And his plan is to like flood the ocean with these <laughs> dangerous submersibles so that he can sell them to a bunch of people. Um, the long-term, oh, this is what he told Fast Company, the long-term value is in the commercial side. Adventure tourism is a way to monetize the process of proving the technology. Um, like that's, the, and, and again, his plan is still, I want to sell this to the oil and gas industry. I want to sell this shit to the CIA. Like his plan is to make money in extractive industries and like the defense industry. He's just trying to subsidize that by getting rich people to go down and look at the Titanic. Oh my God. Um, Technical problems continued to plague the craft between that and bad weather. It missed several dive windows. Uh, in subsequent interviews, Rush tended to ignore this period of time where it was repeatedly kind of like failing to make depth or having to return because something would go wrong. But there were people within Oceangate who worried he was being reckless. From the very first dive the Titan did, people inside could hear crackling from the carbon fiber body. Now, one of the industry folks, like a sub maker that he brought with him, was like, that is the sound of your <laughs> sub failing. Like, this is a serious problem. I can tell you exactly where it's compromised. Like, no, this has to be dealt with. Otherwise, you can't take people on this boat. Um, Jesus. But Stockton tended to kind of brush this off as like a quirk. Do of they the not boat. know like, the rule? Do they not know it? the rule, though, Robert? What's the rule, Sophie? Do, do they not know the rule? The rule is snap, crackle, pop. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so this guy, oh. it's in 2019 that this happened. This guy, Carl Stanley, who's like runs a, an exploration company, goes with him on a 12,000 foot dive and is like, yeah, that's part of the hole breaking down, bro. And Rush is like, no, 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 it's uh, it's fine. We've 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 been listening to the whole breakdown and it's doing it less now. So we feel like it's pretty good. And this guy's like, I don't know. I, I don't think you should take people. You can't take customers on this thing yet. Like if you think it's safe, that's great. But you should wait until you've done like 50 deep water dives before you decide that this thing is safe. Um, And he, he brings up, he points out like, you know, because because. Rush's comment to that is like, well, you just picked a random number. There's no reason 50 is safer than three or four, um, which first off, that's very <laughs> dumb. But second, like the, the, this uh, Stanley is like, well, you know, like with skydiving, 50 is the number that you have to hit to reach your like B license. So we should probably, Ugh. you know, seek to be at least as safe as the skydiving industry. Um, oh, my and God. And Rush is it's just, like, just nah, like, that's you're, you're just kind of picked a number out of a hat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's like these people that claim to be these like numerate hard science, like whatever. It's just like uh, 350, whatever. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, 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 anyway. So one of his employees takes action uh, in 2018, a guy named David Lockridge, who is a he's a submersible pilot who had been hired to be the Ocean Gate director of marine operations. That meant the safety of the crew and customers was legally his business. And he was like, he takes a look at this thing and is like, what is that? I'm responsible for like not killing people. And this thing is a death trap. I have some problems with this, right? <laughs> like, um, he responsibly, Lockridge is like one of two people in this entire story who does their fucking right. job, right? Um, so they had built a one-third scale model of the Titan in order to like do, you know, pressure tests and stuff uh, outside of, you know, the deep ocean. And those tests had shown that consistent, constant pressure cycling weakened the carbon fiber over time, that it degraded pretty rapidly. Lockridge also found flaws in the visible carbon in samples for the Titan. He was like, we had, this was not made well enough and it, it degrades very quickly over time. So he wanted the company to perform more extensive tests to see if the Titan had already been compromised. Stockton refused these tests. He claimed, <laughs> quote, no scan of the Holer bond line could be done because the hole was too thick and the, the, the equipment to test it didn't exist. He was like, this thing is so well made, we can't even <laughs> test it. If it's, if it's bro, safe. Bro, 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 and, bro. And, you can't even test this shit, bro. Yeah, it's too thick, man. It's too thick. Too thick to... But also, he's at the same time, he's like, it's safe because we're always monitoring to see if there's fractures. And it's like, well, but... what? You, the, both of those things can't be true, Stockton. <laughs> you, you can't be monitoring the hole for, for problems and unable to monitor the hole for oh, problems. Um, but Lockridge, Lock, so Lockridge, I think, notices this and he keeps digging. Um, he finds other problems. For one thing, he'd always been concerned about the viewport, which people would note seemed like it flexed at depth <laughs> a lot more than it ought to be flexing. <laughs> um, and so he was like, what is this thing rated for? And he like digs into it and he finds out that the viewport is rated for 1300 meters they're they're going down to like 4000 meters so he's like well that seems like a real problem and stockton's general line is oh 1300 they just put like that number on there it can actually handle a lot more it's all there's not any reason why he thinks it can handle <laughs> yeah. more yeah. he keeps saying engineering yeah. when he means because i fucking felt like it it's so bizarre 
Yeah, because I fucking it's felt like it. What am I kidding? Um, what am I kidding? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. But you know what can withstand up to four thousand meters of pressure? <laughs> the food boxes that Blue Apron ships out. Every single one of them guaranteed to survive the pressures of the deep. And in fact, if you want to go see the Titanic yourself. You can't use this sub anymore, but what you can do is dive into the Atlantic with a box of Blue Apron food, and it'll keep you safe. You will not die if you leap alone into the frigid North Sea with a, with a box of Blue Apron vegetables. Keep you alive. Sophie? The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. 
So uh, this guy, David Lockridge, finds a bunch of shit that's a problem. In addition to like the porthole not being rated for depth and the fucking carbon fiber being shit, he also finds out that there's hazardous flammable materials inside the <laughs> vessel that the customers are not being informed about. Like, hey, you could all burn to death inside a uh, inside a carbon fiber tomb is a problem. Uh-oh. And he's, they just didn't tell people. And a big part of Lockridge's issue is like, not just that they're doing this, because it's it's not illegal to do this, right? Because there's no laws in the city. Right. Um, he's like, we're not informing people that these are dangers, right? Like, you're writing on the list, hey, you know, you could die doing this, which it generally just makes people think it's extra cool. But we're not saying, hey, guys, here are all of the defects in yeah. this process. Here are all of the... You yeah. really could die so in a lot this, of ways that you are not yeah. even thinking of. Burning to death in that tube under the ocean is the most like postmodern way to die i feel yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah find the tech bros innovating <laughs> disrupting the ocean enough that people yeah. burn to death inside it truly remarkable. yeah <laughs> yeah so lockridge brings all of this to stockton and according to lockridge stockton grows enraged and then fires lockridge <laughs> Um, so Lockridge, uh, Ocean Gate sues Lockridge for disclosing confidential information and he countersues and claims like, well, I'm a whistleblower because I think he's going to get people killed. Yeah. Now, none of this becomes major news. Um, while people are writing articles about their Ocean Gate's first successful Titanic drops, like this is all available again within like 12 hours of the boat going missing. This winds up in news stories. Yeah. Anyone could have found this. And by the way. Like billionaires, especially billionaires with their own companies, tend to have like crews of people who like look up shit for right. them, you know, who make sure that vet trips that they're doing, vet people they're working with. They have like intelligence wings. They tend to hire people <laughs> for this. They could have found this too. Like nobody was looking for this shit, but it was not hard to find. Um, so two months after Lockridge filed this suit, OceanGate has another potential PR disaster on its hand. Because around 40 leading figures in the industry, including deep sea explorers and oceanographers, write an open letter to Stockton in which they warn that his experimental craft is unsafe for passengers. Their primary issue here was that he had chosen not to get his submersible rated for 4,000 meters of depth uh, under the PHVO, or Pressure Vessels for Human Occupancy Standards. (laughs) This was not something he had to do. Again, he's not like required to do this. The boat's registered in like Canada. He's in international waters. There's not really a way to stop rich people from paying to build subs like this and taking them out in the ocean. You know, you, if Canada made a law against it, he would have registered his boat in the Caribbean right. or some shit, right? Like there's, it's boats. You can't stop rich people from doing what they want on their stupid Up boats. Up to and including um, needing to be rescued by a public entity. This is the perfect libertari- libertarian yeah. story. This is as libertarian as this yeah. shit gets. <laughs> it is. And why they always take to the sea and it always goes so badly. <laughs> um there were a lot of other uh issues that people or a lot of other people who brought up issues. One of the guys who kind of like uh points out some some potential risks kind of directly to Stockton um is a guy named Rob McCallum. Um, And McCallum is kind of a dude in the industry, um, and he is in direct contact with Stockton. 
um, Stockton's trying to get him to like get on this boat <laughs> um, and be like, hey, man, don't, don't you want to like uh, don't you want to, you know, go see the Titanic with me? And um, this guy responds like, I think you're potentially placing yourself and your clients in a dangerous dynamic in your race to the Titanic. You're ma- mirroring that famous catch cry. <laughs> she is unsinkable. Um, and Stockton responds, we have heard the baseless cries of you are going to kill someone way too often. I take this as a serious personal insult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you can't uh, so make funny. someone learn. Like if he's going to respond to no, you so really can't. Many people have been telling me I'm going to kill someone that I'm insulted. Like you cannot fix that. That is like no. billionaire brainworms that cannot go away. Yeah, yeah. It's you know when I was in a little kid and I was in like the 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 Boy Scouts, we we had. This one camp out and like I was one of at this point, I was like 14. So I was one of the older boys and we had a couple of the younger boys, uh, you know, that we were trying to like teach the basics of camping and stuff to. And, you know, it's nighttime. Everyone's sitting around their fires cooking food and they have this like nice cooler that one of their dads had brought out with them. And they've got it like wedged up right next to the fire and they're sitting on it like it's uh-huh. a chair. And as I'm like doing a walkthrough, I'm like, hey, that's kind of a bad idea, guys. You know, it's pretty close to the fire. It might like, you know catch on fire get melted or something it looks expensive and like one of the kids just looks at me like i'm an idiot and is like it can't catch on fire it's got ice in it Damn. um so we just like we go over to like the the adult who's running things and he's like just let it happen you know like they'll learn a lesson and i wish i feel like that if if that had happened to stockton as a younger man maybe maybe all of those people would still be alive you know one melted cooler could have saved a lot True. of lives yeah it is like <laughs> yeah um, just face a consequence once or twice at minimum please yeah yeah learn that you know when other people give you warnings they should be heated sometimes learn that maybe your instincts don't always take you in the right yeah. directions um, he does not ever learn this lesson because he's he's born super yeah. rich yeah. you know um, so all of these warnings were super correct uh, and this gets proved in 2020 And I'm going to quote from a summary published by MSN MSN Live right now. Quote, In 2020, the CEO told GeekWire the whole of the submarine was showing signs of cyclic fatigue, one of the same uh, technical issues Mr. Lockridge allegedly warned about, as the company continued to test the craft, including with a 4,000-meter deep dive in the Bahamas. As a result, the company temporarily downgraded the Titanic submarine's hold depth rating to 3,000 meters, a thousand less than the Titanic's depth, according to TechCrunch. So, they have this problem. They they have like recognize the cyclic fatigue and they decrease the uh, the depth rating while they they get material to rebuild the hub uh, the hole, <laughs> which they do in 2021. Now the fact that they had to rebuild the hole that quickly is kind of worrisome. Yeah. Um, but what's extra worrisome is that they also cut costs <laughs> on this shit. <laughs> so <Hell> yeah. <laughs> After the Titan imploded, Travel Weekly editor-in-chief Arnie Wiseman wrote that he had been due to take a trip to the Titanic that year, and he'd known Stockton a while and liked him. He'd gone out with him a couple of times, but he expressed that, like, they'd been talking one day, and Rush had told him, quote, he had gotten the carbon fiber used to make the Titan at a big (laughs) discount from Boeing because it was way past its shelf life for use in airplanes. Hell yeah. (laughs) And so... He tells this to the guy he's trying to convince to come down with him. And Arnie's like, 
that seems like a really bad idea. Like, it seems really dangerous that you're using expired carbon fiber. And Stockton's response is like, nah, man, they set the shelf light dates on those like way earlier than they ought to be. It's actually like it's the argument I make when I take expired yeah. Vicodin that like a friend of mine has in a medicine cabinet. And they're like, oh, we should just throw that out. I'm like, no, man, this stuff's still good. This is, he's he's as cavalier with multiple people's bill, multiple billionaires lives as I am with like is this takeout still cool? Like, are you <laughs> yeah, fucking has this kidding? rice been in the fridge too long? <laughs> oh. It is, it is so wild that like, and he just admits this to someone he's trying to talk into getting on his boat. Like, yeah, you know what's extra cool? I got a deal on this carbon yeah. fiber because they say it's not safe for airplanes anymore. Let's go under the sea with it. <laughs> I am not getting in your boat if you're saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> God. Like, yeah. It's bragging it's, about cheaping yeah. out on your fucking submersible is so wild it's so wild it's it's funny too because like a big touchstone with this story is obviously jurassic right. park which is the tale of a uh, you know a, a, a insane an insane rich man killing about getting a bunch of people <laughs> killed through hubris um at least the book hammond is a bad very much a bad guy in right. the book but i i do at least he's like smart enough to brag that they spared no expense like they cut corners yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. in jurassic park but like he doesn't say that he's not like being like you know we made uh we made all these t-rex enclosures out of turkey wire a lot cheaper than the stuff that these experts said i needed to use <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah i just uh, i just all i wish is funny. that every silicon valley titan of industry has the like you know has the self-belief to live their lives according to what they really believe the way that stockton rush did i think he is a hero yeah. and a model for everyone of those guys yeah i think he i it, i agree with you entirely and i think this is why i've heard that they're remaking uh, doing like a TV show version of of Jurassic uh-huh. Park that's based on the book. Um, and I actually think we're ready for that because in the actual book, Hammond, rather than being a sweet grandfather, is a psychotic tech entrepreneur who gets brutally murdered by one of his own dinosaurs. And and yeah. maybe we need that right now. We, uh, we may in fact need to that version of Jurassic Park yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Fictionally. Yeah. Wink. So the the weirdest thing about what I just told you about him getting cut rate carbon fiber for his death stub <laughs> is that he may have lied about that, which is a wild <laughs> thing to lie about. Um, it's hard to say, but like journalists reached out to Boeing to be like, are you guys selling discount <laughs> carbon fiber to the death sub guy? And Boeing was like, we have no record of any kind of sale of this sort to ocean Gator to Stockton rush. Now, Boeing is very like possibly a liar yeah. in this situation. I'm not uh, like there. It's Boeing. I have no no need to defend them. But also like I, Stockton Rush would be the kind of guy. It, I, I find it equally likely that he cheaped out on life saving parts or that he actually bought better stuff and lied about getting a deal on them to try to impress some guy. <laughs> like either of those things is is possible. <laughs> it's it's a, there's no way oh, to know. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so many possibilities. It, it, it feels like there's also something like he seems like the guy who doesn't actually know where his shit is sourced from. Like someone just told him a price and like basically Boeing and like fuck it. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah, who knows? And it is also, I should say, this is also part of a pretty fun pattern for him because Stockton had a history of bragging in his interviews. You know, he had he would he would take people on and they would see like, oh, there's a Logitech controller yeah. as like piloting this thing. And like the the interior lights are just like shit you bought from Camper World. Seems kind of janky for a submarine that you're <laughs> expecting to keep you alive at like twelve or thirteen thousand feet below you know, the surface and Stockton would be like, well, yeah, you know, we, you know, this is like a rough and tumble outfit. We had to kind of hack, you know, certain shit, but like when it comes to the stuff that really matters, when it comes to the pressure barrier, (laughs) that is the best stuff available. You know, not only is carbon fiber a space age material, but we designed the whole pressure barrier with help from NASA and from Boeing and from the university of Washington. He would bring up those three names every single time. (laughs) Like somebody pointed out that it was janky. And since all of those people, died journalists reached out to boeing and boeing was like we didn't have shit to do i I don't know what he's talking about we didn't help this guy with anything (laughs) like we have no idea what you're commenting on i have not seen nasa answer those uh uh like to that yet i haven't seen like any sort of response from them as to whether or not they had any role in this um cbs notes quote in a statement the university of washington said its applied physics laboratory provided engineering services to the company in rush from 2013 to 2020 but on a different submersible (laughs) the one they helped with was the cyclops and at that point was steel hold and only meant for shallow dive. so basically he he was and it seems likely to me that like i don't know maybe he talked with a guy from boeing maybe a because like there was one astronaut we'll talk about later that he like brings in that he hires to basically be a brand evangelist i think he was just kind of like doing that normal tech thing where you just you have like this this little bitty skein of truth and you just sort of like embellish on it until it's a lie um yeah yeah i think that's what he's doing so it is i know you said a moratorium on 40k uh, commentary but it is shocking how much this is just an orc mech that we're talking about it is (laughs) hey if this was an orc mech it would have made it down there right because all of these guys believed in this stupid thing you know that would have kept it safe (laughs) yeah he's Uh, a he's a wolf r.i.p to the number one war boy (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he he. <laughs> I it, people always want us to do like a, a Warhammer <laughs> episode, which I won't do because because th- there are only like thirty people who appreciate Warhammer enough for that to happen. But you but, didn't think um, I would be one of them. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm proud. That was proper use of a of a war boy. Um, I there there there. Uh, I'm, oh yeah, from the uh, the old Armageddon campaign, Orchimedes actually did build a, a, an orc submarine. There was a um, during the Armageddon uh, games. There was like even a little model that some some people hacked together for Amazing. it. So there you yeah, go. This is it. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, Orchimedes, better sub designer than this guy. Than Stockton Rush, a lot more concerned with safety. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry for All that. Right. So at this point, I want to get to the thing that I've been most excited to show you because I found an ad that Ocean Safe was using to sell this thing. And it is bug fun. I am so excited for you to see this fucking thing. We're going to play several clips, but here's how the, here's how it starts. The Expeditions offers you the once in a lifetime opportunity to be a specially trained crew member safely diving to the Titanic wreckage site. Get ready for what Jules Verne could only imagine, a 12,500-foot journey to the bottom okay, of the sea. Probably good it's the- 
So you see, they start right off with like, it's safe. This is a safe journey. It's a safe journey that Jules Verne would be <laughs> jealous about. Uh, Jules Verne, who famously wrote about safe submarine journeys. Yeah, seriously. I, um, listen, I know billionaires, yeah. again, just have brain worms, but anytime you're paying, you're like mm-hmm. the, the fact that they call these people crew members or whatever, like anytime you have to yeah. pay money to ostensibly do a job, you should realize you're being scammed. Yeah, it does have a little bit of that, like going to it. it, Yeah, I don't know exactly where to where to draw the line here, but it does have a little bit of that. Like, no, we we call our at this restaurant, we call our customers guests or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. I I, I just want to play the next clip from this because the 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 kind of the different by kind of paying attention to the verbiage he uses here, you get two things, which is that like, <laughs> he's really obsessed with making sure people think this is safe. And he's really obsessed with making sure that they, they don't consider themselves tourists, right? Like he there's, we'll, we'll play some more from that, but like, there's a couple of points where he like really emphasizes this is not tourism. Um, now, by the time this video, this video was published like two months before the, the sub kills everybody. Um, so at that point, ocean gate <laughs> has done two different dives to successful dives to see the Titanic. And each time they're doing this, I think they're going down more than once, right? They have a boat and it's got like a number of people on it and they do as, you know, a couple of trips. Um, it's unclear oh, to me God. exactly how many times a sub reached the bottom, but they brought a few different groups of people down there, which yeah. meant that they had some customer testimonials to play, <laughs> which gives this thing kind of like the 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 flavor of like a TV infomercial for, <laughs> I don't know, like a shop back. Like, <laughs> Sophie, play it again. Another trip like this. Fewer people have been to Titanic than been to space. It's tougher to go to the bottom of the ocean than it is to the far side of the moon. So we saw things that maybe human eyes have never seen before. Whoa. This is like some so RoboCop shit. Second, this is what's playing on the TV on, it, in, in, during RoboCop. Yeah, this is a company that exists in RoboCop. And every week they do get people killed, but it's not a problem in the RoboCop <laughs> right. world. Um, the, the second guy you hear in that, uh, the dude like talking about how, uh, you know, you could see something no humans ever seen is a former astronaut named Scott Parazinski. Um, Scott was in NASA for 17 years. He's the first person to fly in space and to summit Mount Everest. Now I'm not accusing Dr. Parazinski of any illegal or unethical behavior, but he is the major selling point of this video, right? He is on this more than basically anybody else. He's constantly there to like let pe- he his job is to both let potential customers know number 1, if you do this, you'll be an explorer like right. me, the cool astronaut guy, and number 2, I think this is a good idea. As an astronaut, right, right. <laughs> this seems like a safe thing to me. Um I guess I am accusing him of, of something that is unethical. I mean, um, in a 2009, yeah, no, is probably the best, most charitable version of this. He's like, what? How bad could it be? It is. I think you're right. I don't think he maybe knew, but also I think he he is a doctor yeah, and an true. astronaut, and like guys who wrote for Business Insider found this this lawsuit from his former employee warning that the vessel was unsafe a day after this thing right. went down. I have to believe. Dr. NASA man could like <laughs> have found some of this. Like it wasn't hard again, business insider, not the greatest publication <laughs> in the world. And they, they locked this stuff down. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, in that 2019 Smithsonian article, Dr. Parazinski is fawning towards Stockton's right. genius. 
It's not easy to take a white sheet of paper, come up with a new submersible design, fund it, test it, and mature it. It was an incredibly audacious thing to do. Fair yeah. enough. Certainly audacious. Audacious. Yeah, you know, not yeah. that hard, it turns out, but sure, not yeah. easy, I guess. Yeah. You know what else was audacious? That guy who shot the Archbishop <laughs> of Austria-Hungary. Got a lot of people killed too, but audacious. Yeah, auda- yeah truly. Yeah. So... Uh, anyway, cool stuff. Uh, Scott's job is again to make potential clientele feel cool, right? These are mostly a lot of the, the, the kind of the cash crop that Stockton is hoping to harvest is like late middle-aged, super rich guys who want to feel like Indiana Jones, but don't know how to do anything, but shovel VC money into different startups and hope that it it makes them a profit. Right. Um, And so Scott's job is to be like, no, if you do this, you're an explorer and you'll be in this kind of like private club of deep sea explorers with me, the cool astronaut guy. So a big part of the work that this ad is doing is to try to incite that feeling in people while also pruning away the sense of embarrassment. They naturally feel about paying a quarter of a million dollars to see a grave site. (laughs) Um, And, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Sophie play you another clip from this fucking video. This is not a thrill ride for tourists. It's much more. <laughs> it is an eight-day, one-of-a-kind experience. You will be trained as a mission specialist and record valuable findings. A citizen scientist is also involved in the science. They are doing jobs that are essential to the scientific research, not just busy work. We are looking at the process of degradation at the site. We are trying to make a really good map of the site and its current state. This is not tourism. You're contributing. It's not a a ride at Disney, you know. There's a lot of real risk involved and there's a lot of challenges. We partnered with... I... All of these things are what you tell a five-year-old when you quote give them a job yes this is bonkers yeah guys we're really going on a star wars ship kids you know as you take them to the (laughs) disney world star wars experience it's so funny because too they keep talking about like you're doing real work but the closest they get to like saying anything scientific they're doing is like yeah, we're going to look at like how how it's falling apart. Like go down there. Yeah, the boat's still all fucked up, guys. It's not it's not not sailing again. It hasn't reconstituted itself. Oh my god. Um and yeah, it's it, it seems like OceanGate, they really wanted their customers cuz they're it's very interesting. They cycle between being like, you know, this isn't a tour, a, a thrill ride. This is there's real danger here, but also like you're not going to die. Like they have to get, it's interesting. They have to get both of those things across to the clientele, both like you're in danger because they don't want it. People don't want to feel like this is safe. They want to feel like they're explorers, but also you will not die if you do this. Those are the two things they're trying to get across in this video is this next clip will help to make clear. It's very well engineered and very safe, but then the team is very uh, focused on safety first. The communication is really key, I think, knowing that they never lost communication. Not one second of me experiencing anything from OceanGate have I ever felt unsafe. As I pointed out on the bridge earlier, your safety plans all around the vessel. All mission specialists get to dive down to the Titanic, but the full experience entails much more. (laughs) So... Hold that for a second, Sophie, because I may have you play another clip, but, like, that's... That's really interesting. Number one, 
it's come out since it went down that they were just lying on that part where they're like at no, at no point, maybe oh, that yeah, lady yeah, was yeah. telling the truth, but like there are repeated stories from numerous clients of it, like losing contact. It was regular that it lost contact. <laughs> yeah. And the, the attitude that fucking Stockton tried to push was like, look, this is, you know, an experimental sub, something a little, you know, stuff's going to go wrong all the time. You know, as long as the big, th- as long as it doesn't employ, we're fine. <laughs> if you listen to Ka- James Cameron, Cameron, who was another guy who was started as an amateur and, and, you know, got into doing this stuff. Right. So he's, he is kind of a good person to bring in here. Cameron's attitude was very much like, well, no, something shouldn't be going wrong every dive. And when something major like comms goes wrong, you should go back to the drawing board and fix it before you keep going back down there. Like Cameron's vessel had three different methods of communicating with the ship above. It was so reliable that he would like take calls from his wife, like while he was doing dives and shit. (laughs) Like again, because he was taking it seriously, say what you want about James Cameron. After he nearly got Ed Harris killed on the set of the abyss, he took undersea safety a lot more seriously. It it is like this thing where you're like, like we all see uh james cameron is like i guess he's just the s-tier dilettante but yes it, it is like a little you, you still kind of roll your eyes when you're like oh he did it and then you like now you see how a true dilettante could have done things and you're like oh all right we simply must hand it to james cameron yeah I, it is it is funny because like cameron's background prior to becoming a film director was i think he'd been a school bus driver and dropped out of mm-hmm. college Hey, everybody, quick correction. Uh, James Cameron was a truck driver, not a school bus driver, before he got into directing. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to, to fuck up on my big gym lore. Uh, but yeah, James Cameron. Uh, interesting dude. Um, but, he, you know, he's not... It, I, I think what it is, is that, like, all these tech dudes need to have that Elon Musk. Elon Musk puts a lot of effort into making people feel like he's an actual inventor, like making these impressive things that his companies make. And Cameron, on the other hand, seems more like a guy who's like, well, I want to do this. I want to be like diving down there, but I'm going to find the very best people in this industry and listen to whatever they have to say. Um, As opposed to like, no, everyone but me is wrong. I'm going to make a sub that kills three billionaires. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, very funny. Um, Mike Reese is a rice is a a former. He used to be the showrunner for The Simpsons. Um, And it it tells you how much money used to be in TV writing that he was able to take four trips in the Titan, um, including one down to the Titanic. And he says that the ship lost comms at some point in every one of his four voyages. (laughs) Uh, Here's what he told ABC, quote, with no GPS, Rice said it took his crew three hours to find the Titanic, despite landing just 500 yards from the ship. Um, Rice, who served as showrunner for The Simpsons, said he signed a waiver that mentions death three times on the first page. It is always in the back of your head that this is dangerous and any small problem will turn into a major catastrophe. Um, yeah. Which is, I guess we'll see how well these in, <laughs> these uh, these disclosure or whatever um, permission slips go off in court. Yeah. Uh, speaking of The Simpsons, when it when all this shit about their like liability waivers came out, I kept thinking about that scene where Seymour takes them all to the. Uh, the 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 civil war like fort <laughs> as a as a school trip 
they get in trouble and he winds up leaving several kids behind and it's like hugging the permission slips. <laughs> God bless the man who invented permission yeah, slips. for real. You um, did this. You yeah. signed this. This is your fault. Oh my God. <laughs> so David Pogue, a journalist with CBS News who went on a trip with Ocean Gate, also mentioned this formidable waiver. And once the Titan went missing, he noted on Twitter that while he was on the boat reporting on the company, a tour went out and got lost for five hours. <laughs> um, he notes that after this, because this was so scary, Stockton considered adding a beacon, but yeah. didn't. Um, and this w- wound up not being the thing that got them all killed, but it shows you the level of like safety consciousness they have where it's like, oh, wow, this is a real obvious danger. Better not do anything about I it. I mean, I guess in fairness, his point of view is like, listen, this thing isn't going to get lost. A beacon is truly wasted yeah. money. I know how this thing is going to, uh, how the end comes for this I, thing. I know how everyone's going to die. Yeah. We're good. No one's, no one's suffocating oh, on this God. thing. That is like the Stockton Rush guarantee. No. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is not going to be that you run out of air. Don't worry, guys. Uh, but you know who never runs out of oxygen? <laughs> the sponsors of this show. Um, that's right. Immune to dying. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, and we're back. Yeah. So, um, talking about Mr. Stockton Rush. There is a point, like, when that ship went missing on Pogue's uh, uh, voyage and is gone for, like, five hours when they can't communicate with it. Pogue noted in that Twitter thread that, like, they shut down the internet as soon yeah. as the boat <laughs> stopped communicating. Well, and that actually, that's a thing I will defend. People have been like, well, that's really shady. I actually disagree with that. Um, because if you're running a trip like this, right, even if it's not like a death sub, right? If you're just like taking mm-hmm. people out on a boat and one of your boats goes missing. Right. If I'm in charge of that boat, first thing I'm doing is turning off the internet. Because if a bunch of people just died, they shouldn't find out about it because some like TikTok dude posts That's a video. True. You know? Like, I'm not going to give Ocean Gate a lot of credit, but that is what you would do in that <laughs> Right, situation. right, right. They did, they did yeah. the right-ish thing for obviously. Yeah. I think we could all... Uh, be confident they did it for the wrong reason. I'm sure they had a shady reason for wanting to do it, but but there is a justification yes. for wanting people to not find out that they're like, and it, I don't know, I guess it, it is one of the real fucked up things to me is that like the the wife of that um that billionaire, the Pakistani billionaire mm-hmm. who went down and and like his son, um, she was like on the boat when they went oh, missing. God. Like she's on the like, uh, right. which is pretty bad time real fucked up a lot of fucked up stuff so the thing i keep coming back to is that all of the shit we've talked about about how like all of the evidence that this thing was dangerous before it went down was easily available somewhere online prior to the the titan setting out on its final voyage like credible people had pointed out that this was dangerous and one of the things that i'm most frustrated about is that like none of the people in the media who are recovering this thing once it starts actually getting to the Titanic, bring any of this stuff right. up, right? Um, and it's 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 very interesting because like David Pogues of CBS goes on a tour and like a Pogue, I think his like coverage is absolutely irresponsible. Yeah. Like there's not really any investigative rigor. He's not pointing out any of the signs that this thing is like dangerous. And his article is or the video in the podcast that he does is basically pure yeah. praise. It's right? a puff piece. Where, like it's when disgusting. he talks about, yeah, it's a disgusting puff piece, yeah. right? Like that's that's like there are parts of it that look almost identical to the yeah. ad video where there, he's like showing him around the you know all all this footage of it diving and footage of like life on the boat like it is super fawning. Pogue did mention briefly that one of these but like one of the trips got lost and they lost comms and stuff. But like he brings it up as like well it's still you know not super tested technology as opposed yeah. to like well this is a major problem and the boat shouldn't be back out until this gets solved yeah. you know. Um, there were other basic problems that should have drawn more scrutiny uh, from journalists for for one like out, outside of the CBS report. Stockton also invited a BBC team to come film one of their dives as a PR uh, thingamajig. <laughs> um, and that trip captures the looming disaster feel better than like when the documentary about this gets made, they're going to use clips from that BBC documentary because during this fucking dive that the BBC is there to film 
I think two of the thrusters on this thing are installed backwards. (laughs) Like they put the engines on wrong. And so the boat's spinning around in circles. And because there's a film crew there, they don't want to just scrub the dive to fix it. So they figure out a way that the guy piloting it can like hold the controller sideways so that it works right. It's so so shaky. They're, they, um, I mean, and in the true they, video game spirit, they're basically on take the cartridge out and blow on it mode. It's wild. That Yeah, and I, I want to play you a, a fairly long clip from this because it gives you an idea. It's kind of cutting between, you know, mission control or whatever in the boat as they try to figure out how to fix this. And it, it, it shows you how janky this whole process is. Oh, no, we have a problem. One of them thrusting forward, one of the thrusters is thrusting backwards right now. So the only thing I can do right now is a 360. On the stick now, like the, yeah. the actual comp sticks, Yeah. what is left and right? Uh, the right stick, that's forward, back, turn left, turn right. And okay. what's happening is he's going forward, yeah, he's yeah. getting a turn. Got it. What's right. the left stick? Uh, down and up. Okay. Yeah. What well, would cause that? They swapped out one of the thrusters. So they mounted it the wrong way? I mean, it's unidirectional for us, right? Yeah, it should be, but something happened. Yeah, what you can do, so on the controller, you have the up, down, left, right arrows, and you could set them so that one was going, and then every time you hit the crew, the button, you would go forward. Um, I hope he knows how to do this. Hi, hey, Jerome. Uh, Stockton uh, on Wendy's phone. Just call it back if you get a chance. We got a question uh, on the dive right now, looking to see if there's a way to remap the uh, PS3 controller. Thanks. So <laughs> they are just like you and your friends playing like video games at like someone's <laughs> 13th birthday party late at night. They're they are getting tripped up remapping a PS3 controller. Like, wow, these yeah, fuckers really, are underwater. Um, yeah. God, it's janky. Like, it really is. I, I, Shouldn't people be like have, this. Yeah. People flipped out a lot about the fact that, like they're using, you know, a gaming controller, which is not super weird for stuff like this. Like a lot of times it gets used because controllers gaming controllers are pretty good at, at, at this kind of motion. But like, this is the, the jank. Like it, you should not be having to remap on the fly because you, what, whatever checklist you had for this thing before it went off, didn't make sure the engines were on. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty bad. Like if I get on a plane and they're like, oh, Hey guys, we got to go back. Somebody put an engine on wrong. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna like figure it out in the air. Don't worry. No, I'm, I am opening the emergency door and rolling out onto the tarmac. I'm not going up in the sky in that thing. <laughs> they're like, we just got to twist it and then it'll go in the right direction. Don't worry. <laughs> it's so, um, Oh God, I'm sorry. There's nothing really to say, but it's so fucking bonkers that this was allowed to happen. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, and it's nuts that, again, guys like Pogue are just t- talking about how cool this is. What a great. Ex- and it, it's it, it's uh, uh, of course, it works this way. For one thing, David Pogue is the, the kind of quote unquote journalist you bring in if you need <laughs> right. like a guy, a dumb guy with a platform <laughs> to make your tech product look cooler than it is. Right. That's his actual job is to like pump up bad ideas from the tech <laughs> right. industry. 
Um, so he's a great dude for Stockton to work with here. Um, and it's also like Stockton has an, a, a kind of gut level understanding of how awe inspiring being this deep below the ocean is. And the fact that when you put people through experiences that intense, it creates like a bond and a sense of like emotional loyalty between folks on the journey and between them and the company. And he makes a lot of conscious use of that, even in testimonials on this ad. The lady that you're about to hear first from on this clip that Sophie's going to play is a former MasterChef contestant who paid for a trip to the bottom of the sea on this thing. And, and here's her talking about that kind of like emotional bond that people form on this thing. Here instantly became family. And that's something that you take away for life and like you know that's that's a silly thing to say about spending eight days with a bunch of people on a boat but i have no doubt that after it's an intense peak experience i'm sure she felt that way you know as they're as they're all leaving from their their time together and stockton understands this psychological phenomena and he is he he was making kind of very concerted use of it in order to to pump his company. And this is made unsettlingly clear in how he responded to a lawsuit against OceanGate that was launched in February of this year by a Florida couple who sued him for refusing to refund their $105,000 tickets to see the Titanic in 2018. The trip was postponed repeatedly, uh, and they asked for a refund, and Rush keeps trying to get them on other dives. He's like, don't get a refund. Just come out with us in a year. Come out with us the year after that, you know? Uh, I can't give you your money back, basically. Oh, so man. they sue him. The case goes to court, and David Concanon, who is the, the Ocean Gate Company legal advisor, we hear, heard from him earlier. He was the guy trying to blame the Coast Guard for not working yeah. fast enough. Um He offered the federal judge who was hearing the case, Rebecca Smith, a free trip on Ocean Gate's uh, like boat to go down and see the Titanic. Right. Like as she's judging, he's like, look, judge, you can't uh, properly, you know, adjudicate this case if you haven't been to see the Titanic. You know, why don't we why don't we take you on a free journey to the Titanic, which number one. (laughs) Seems yeah. illegal. <laughs> like, well, both both in terms of bribery and now in retrospect, making credible death threats against a sitting judge seems like it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a felony, too. Well, what's wild is, according to the New York Times' reporting, she seemed down to do it. <laughs> Quote, perhaps if another expedition occurs in the future, I will be able to do so, the judge wrote in May, adding after he- many years of hearing cases about the Titanic wreckage, that opportunity would be quite informative and present a first eyes-on view of the wreck site by Good the board. fucking God. So, because this is like, you know, there's there's legal cases around like shit that gets pulled up. They, they, like that's why they declared that they can't like sell random shit from the Titanic. They had to like take it all together. Oh. And, you know, they could sell like access to it as like a you know we've got all this shit in Vegas. You can pay to go see it there. You can make money from that, but you can't just sell random shit. Mm-hmm. That that got adjudicated in this court, which is why when the the Ocean Gate got sued, it wound up in front of this judge. For whatever reason, she was like the district or whatever that they've picked for Titanic shit. Right. Um, and so basically, like, there was there was kind of a quasi-justification. You can see the judge being like, maybe I should go. You know, maybe I do need to see the Titanic. <laughs> but it's also clearly Stockton trying to get her in his weird little boat cult, you right. know? Um, and it's, what's equally unsettling is that in this legal filing, where the judge is like, this seems like it could be a good idea, there are serious unreported issues revealed with the Titans. <laughs> Quote, 
On the first dive to the Titanic, the submersible encountered a battery issue and had to be manually attached to its lifting platform. The company's legal and operational advisor, David Concannon, wrote in the document, which was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. The submersible sustained modest damage to its exterior, he wrote, leading OceanGate to cancel the mission so it could make repairs. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's it's... It's cool that this judge was still like, I don't know, maybe I'll maybe oh I'll go. Oh my god, no um, no one can calculate risk, I guess, is the clear lesson of not all if they of this. really like the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the lesson of the Titanic. Right. People are bad at calculating risks. And it's also the le- lesson of the Titanic fandom. That they're bad at calculating risks. <laughs> yeah. Um so as we've talked about in the ads and the PR materials, OceanGate made a big deal about the fact that their customers are citizen scientists. One <laughs> of the things that's weird to me about that David Pogue interview is that Stockton does not treat them this way when he's talking to Pogue. Quote, so we have clients that are Titanic enthusiasts, which we refer to as Titaniacs. Some of, their fo- some of the, those folks are affluent and some are not. So we've had people who have mortgaged their home to come and do oh. the trip. And we have people who don't think twice about a trip of this cost. We have God. one gentleman who had won the lottery. The first tickets had been sold for $105,129, the inflation-adjusted cost of a first-class berth on the Titanic. But, according to Pogue, then Stockton Rush saw how much people were willing to pay to go to space, and he thought, man, I'm leaving money on the table. So, a couple of things there. Number one, it does feel like you're kind of tempting fate by being about, like, well, let's charge as much as it costs people on the Titanic to go die. You know? <laughs> see, but then to 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 both have like gone through that and then see Jeff Bezos fly people up and be like, oh shit, we could actually make way more money off these rubes. Right. Um, very cool. Uh great science that you're yeah. bringing these 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 citizen scientists into. Yeah, do. you're a scientist. Um, a citizen scientist. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do an expedition to see how much money I can make off of you. We're going to really expand the, bands of hu- the bounds of human knowledge, R.E., how much cash I can take out of your fucking wallet. Um, <laughs> and again, I haven't actually found any evidence of like science that resulted from the trips that these guys did because they took like 28 people or so down before this all went to shit. I haven't found evidence of like real science yeah. that they accomplished. But when you watch the ad, it becomes very clear that the primary purpose of the, because they have scientists, actual scientists and other experts that they bring on every voyage. And their job is to make these customers feel special. <laughs> Again, it's, it's amazing. They're LARPing, yeah. right? It's like if you brought in like, it's like if you were doing, I don't know, like a fucking uh, Ukraine war LARP and you hired some like actual veteran Ukrainian soldiers to come in so that like some fucking airsofters would feel like they've got the real trench experience right you know which I'm sure is going to happen in like six months right um, yeah, but yeah I, I want to play you another clip here <laughs> yeah. maybe best of all are the one-on-ones with experts like Commander Paul-Henri Narjolet leader of 30 dives to the Titanic wreck site He and other world-class experts will be on all our missions to give you an unrivaled, up-close-and-personal OceanGate Titanic experience. The sub for me, it's uh, very well done because it's uh, simple. Generally, they have a lot of equipment and uh, 
a lot of switch <laughs> and on this one you don't have because you work with a screen and with a, a keyboard and it's very easy to do that you are not only a passenger seat and uh, waiting that the time is running and just looking outside you, you can do something inside you can be a, really a member of the team and that, that's great oh my god it's like a checklist at the rainforest it's, cafe it's like a little scavenger hunt it's so <laughs> It is sad. And it's like at one point fucking um, Stockton gets asked, like, are you basically d- coming up with busy work? And he was like, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all like seven year olds that that you want to give them a job. Hand them a fake cell phone. Let them pretend that they're they're taking oh important God, notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a little little child steering now, wheel. Like they can just turn back and forth. The French guy that we heard there was was Paul Henri Narjolet or or, or um, PH as like he tended to be called, um, and his nickname was Mister Titanic because he's done more dives down to the wreck site or he had done more dives down to the wreck site like thirty five I think than anybody else. Um, he was a sub commander for the French Navy, and when 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 everyone died, folks were like, "Oh, it's a bummer that this like working class you know dude went down with them." Again, I'm not going to say you know cheer these deaths, don't cheer these deaths. He was not like a he's not like a blue collar leatherneck with like a copy of fucking Bruce Springsteen <laughs> album in his in his in his hat band. Um, in addition, he was, you know, he's obviously he's he was an extreme one of the most accomplished submersible pilots in history. Um, he also like ran a, started and ran several different deep sea like equipment companies, which he sold. Um, he was on the board of, I believe it was an LLC that had the salvage rights to the Titanic. He was one of the guys when we talked about this process of taking a bunch of shit, 5,500 items from the Titanic, which then wound up like touring Las Vegas and stuff as a, a thing people could pay to go see. Um, he's helping to run the company that does that right. as well. You know, Bob Ballard kind of insinuated that this stuff was grave robbing. I'm not calling a dead man a grave robber. Um, I don't know that Ballard was. Uh, I think it's his his exact status within the industry is kind of unclear right. to me. But he's not just a working class right. subpilot. He was worth about one and a half billion dollars. Right. Like this, he's also like a, an entrepreneur, right? right. Um, now, Narjolet is again definitely a, a a respected figure for his diving acumen. Um, I suspect one reason that he was brought onto the project is because he's huge within the Titanic superfan community because he's done so many dives down there and his fame would act as an advertisement. Um, specifically, Narjolet's fame would act as an advertisement to the people who are like real big Titanic nerds. And David Pogue talks to one of these customers in his series, a woman named Renata Rojas. Um, Renata worked for a bank. She, I think, probably would describe herself as like upper middle class. She's not a billionaire. She says she's not even a multimillionaire. <laughs> so I think this is someone who is is well off, but not like a plutocrat, right? Not someone who can like buy a, an election. Sure. She's, she, but she's got enough that she could spend $105,000 on this because she's kind of nuts about the Titanic, yeah. right? Like, which is one chunk of it. You know, I, I, I maybe uh, Stockton was lying when he said people mortgaged their homes for this, but like, that's not outside of the the bounds of like there's definitely Titanic fans who would do something like, you know, burn their life savings to get to go on this thing. Those guys exist, too, yeah. um, which is interesting to me. Um, and she makes the note or she says, like, when she's interviewed by Pogue, Pogue asks, like, when 
to- you told people that you were spending almost the price of a small house to do this one day trip. Did you get any reactions? And Renata was like, most people think I'm crazy by spending all this money and trying to go down to see Titanic. My response is dreams don't have a price. <laughs> some people want a Ferrari. Some people have children. Some people buy a house. I wanted to go to Titanic. Oh. Um, and I feel like, first off, I feel like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. I do. I feel like that's, that's, that's nuts. But also, that's fine. Like, you know, if, you, if you're willing to die or risk death to go see this boat and you, you're willing to burn up all of your money to do it, sure, yeah. why not? Like, really, when it comes down to it, I, 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 I'm not going to get burnt, bent out of shape when you yeah. die. But like, it, it, okay, you, everyone has the right to want to love something so much that it kills them. Um, <laughs> even if that thing is objectively stupid. Uh, I, I do believe that. Right. Um, so I guess whatever. Yeah. Um, now I will say I am happy that like when this thing went down, it's again, all of the people on this boat with the exception of that 19 year old had the resources and the experience to know that what they were doing was silly and likely yeah. to kill them. Right. All of them had the ability to be informed of everything I brought up in this episode about how like slipshod this thing right. was. I am glad that like Renata or some other harmless Titanic maniac was not on the sub when it went down. Um, you know, it was people who absolutely had the resources right. to know better. Right. Um, I don't know. You can you can feel about that however you want, but it it seems at least like less fucked up to me than if it had been a bunch of people who saw the, the movie 77 times in theaters and like poured their pension into fucking Russian gate. Um, And the Titanic movie is kind of the thing that looms over all this hubbub from the day that it sunk. The boat captured people's imaginations, both because of how many people died on it and because they were all rich and famous. There's all this mystery. James Cameron turned that fascination into a modern fandom, which I will say, I don't think it's cynical for James. Like he wasn't doing this to cash in on the Titanic. Like obviously he's obsessed with it too. He is the biggest of the the crazy Titanic (laughs) maniacs, right? Like does seem legitimate for him. Um, but Ocean Gate definitely kind of callously cashed yeah. in on the uh, the the film, and that you can see some of this in the uh, in the ad, which inclu- apparently when you finish the dive, they would let you pose with like a replica of the heart of the ocean and take pictures, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is both a fundamental misunderstanding of the movie, right? She like dumps it in the ocean because these guys are obsessed with it, and it's like disrespectful because of all of this person she loved died, all of these people died, and all they care about is this stupid piece of glittery jewelry right like i think that's that's one of the things that cameron is saying in the movie and then they're like hey guys pose with this thing take a picture with it right above the graveyard anyway um, play the clip sophie next dive excitement thrills and adventure on the high seas i just loved every minute of it (laughs) it has exceeded anything i thought it could ever be Titanic is the ultimate dream. I mean, this is definitely probably one of the most unique, interesting uh, things I've ever done. Even going to, you know, I've been to Everest. But this is more unique. This. Of course that guy spent Everest. I think think there's more in the, I think there's more in the clip, but of course that guy spent Everest. Yes, yeah. was a dream yeah. come true. But as I look it's back, this yeah. will no doubt be the best experience of my entire life. <laughs> come join us on our next expedition. 
Don't miss the opportunity to be part of history. The Ocean Gate Titanic Experience. There's truly nothing else like it. I mean... <laughs> that is true. Yeah. There is nothing like imploding, you know? It is a unique... You know, lots of people... Look... Ton of rich people know what it's like to die of gradual hypoxia <laughs> atop Mount Everest. You know, very few rich people have imploded at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> you you could be one of the one of the few. Uh, yeah, they, mind uh. blowingly, uh, like like bl- they're like blissfully ignorant. They're like choosing to to mm. not educate yeah. th- themselves, and it's like it's sad. Well, and it's also just, you can see, it's such like a, he's he's marketing this. Again, he really is like a modern Hammond figure from right. Jurassic Park. He's marketing this as like, this can be a part of the, oh, your friends did Everest. You know, they paid a hundred grand or whatever it takes to like force yeah. or to like make, you know, they, they paid all that money to have locals like stop them from right. dying on the big stupid mountain that rich people want to climb because it's it's the one that rich people climb. Um, well, good news. <laughs> you can impress your friends with a thing that they haven't done. You know, they haven't been Robert, to the Titanic yet. Robert, so you'll you know have who, something you know to brag about. You know who would have about. loved him? Huh? Fucking huh? L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> First off, L. Ron Hubbard absolutely would have loved this. And second, LRH never would have gotten on that submersible. Oh, no. Yet. If he there was one sa- thing that man understood, small, it was yeah, self-preservation. Yeah, he would have sent children. Yeah, he would have had a kid film it for him. Uh, get, one of the, get one of my boys down there. Honestly, the fact that like like a Tom Cruise type, or I guess Tom Cruise specifically, hasn't been on this thing has to be due to the fact that Scientology handlers literally Googled this and when he inevitably was offered and they were like, nah, you're not doing this. I, you know, I, I honestly, I feel like Tom Cruise never would have done something like all of the, ins- he, he's like James Cameron, right? He'll do th- th- insane shit. That's a right. risk, but he's going to like do it methodically by best practices. Yes. Um, because he doesn't have a yeah. death wish. Right. And he's not like, there's a degree for what, whatever else is going on in Tom Cruise's head. He's able to rationally appraise risk to his yeah. body. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, it's wild. Um, but, but these people were not, um, now, I haven't seen like a perfect list of all the folks who went down on these trips or who had booked tickets. Um, the first success of their first trip to the Titanic in 2021 brought a lot of new investments. That's when like they started really getting mm-hmm. money like pumped into them. But from what we're shown on screen and in the customer testimonials, I tend to suspect that the client list was an even split of like super rich people who are doing this to impress just to impress their friends. Right. They're in the they're like Hamish was yeah. right where they have this. They're adventurer travelers, right? They're paying for these kind of peak adventure experiences. And then the other half of them are crazed Titanic fans, um, some of whom are also super, super rich, and some of whom are just kind of like normal rich, you know? Um, So Pogue's story gives us some context on one of the crazy rich adventure seekers, too. Most of our fellow expeditioners were rich people seeking adventure, like a hedge fund guy with his son, an artificial intelligence pioneer who'd sold a bunch of companies, and Shinrik Baldota, who runs a massive industrial conglomerate in India. Pogue, and you have a nickname? Shinrik, yeah, they call me the Wild Monk. Pogue, the Wild Monk? 
Shinrick. Yeah, because I look like a monk. I'm very calm, but I have these extreme interests that I do. Going to a live volcano in Vanadu, two times to Antarctica, on the edge of space flight at 70,000 feet in a MiG-29, swimming with the blue whales, catching crocodiles in Botswana with National Geographic. <laughs> so, like, again, he's just, like, listing this like like a, like a rich kid. Yeah, yeah. Lists, like, everything he got for his birthday that year. He's like, I got this, <laughs> I got this, and I got the autograph of the blue whales, and, you know, I got to go to space in a MiG-29. Man. Yeah, it really is. Like, just, like, you know, toxic masculinity will continue to kill people, but this is genuinely pathetic. Yeah, I... And it, it's such an insult to, like, actual exploration. Yeah. I think about, like, the Apollo, like, whichever, I, I always forget. Was it 11? I, I, no, it wasn't 11 that was the first one that, that actually made it there. But, like, the, the moon landing right. guys, right? All of whom had, like, one of the, I think it was Apollo 1, like, it, it fucked up on the landing pad and caught on fire inside. And because there was, like, too heavy O2 in the mixture, like, all of these guys, like, burnt to death horribly, nightmarishly. And, like the dudes who landed on the moon were their friends and knew that. And like, and still knowing that decided like, no, fuck this shit. We are like, we are going to go into space and do this thing because it, it, it will expand the bonds of human like knowledge and achievement in a way that matters. It's worth our lives to do this thing. Like this kind of like breathtaking and, and honestly to a degree like selfless willingness to explore, which is the, you know, you see the same shit with like Yuri Gagarin, mm-hmm. right? It's like speaks to some of the best things in us. And then these guys being like, what if we commodify, like, I am willing to commodify this. I want to buy a ticket so that I can pretend to be that guy. As long as you promise me I'm safe, you know, as long as like I get, I want to, afterwards I'll play up the danger, but like, I don't really want to die. There's a story that came out a couple of weeks ago about this, this fucking, I think he was an Instagram influencer who like did a bunch of mountain climbs and would gram it. Maybe it was a TikTok guy, <laughs> but like he was one of these dudes who does these like things and films himself. So everybody thinks that he's, you know, yeah. like, Oh, what a, what a cool adventurous life you lead. And like things went wrong on Everest. Right. And the, one of the Sherpas on his team carried him down the mountain on his back, which is that guy right. is risking his own life for you. It is so hard to save people on Everest. Like not only is like, hiking down a mountain like hiking down a a, a gentle hill slope right. with a human being in gear on your back is a lot for most people and this guy goes down everest that way and afterwards this fucking influencer dude like blocks him on tiktok or instagram whatever his app he is because he 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 doesn't he's ashamed that like the guy had to save him that like he didn't get to pretend to be the big bold adventurer like it fucked up his brand yeah that he had been saved by this like any yeah. reasonable person somebody does that for you like that dude's going in the will right like you right. know like yeah, you take yeah, yeah. care of, like that's like the most incredible thing a person could do for another person um is like gamble their life to save you and like it 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 speaks to the attitude of these fucking adventure traveler dark tourist freak ass motherfuckers yeah it presumably has been what it's always been. We just now have like the evidence of things like blocking someone on Instagram or whatever that. Yeah. You know, it's not like they were, they were better before you got to imagine. But no, yeah. no, it's not. I mean, some of them were, I know the guy, I think it was Edmund Hillary who was like one of the, right. the first, like he and Tenzing Norgay, who was a Sherpa, like were the first to summit Everest. And if I'm not mistaken, 
they both worked it out to where like they basically would not let anyone know who was the first. Oh, right? yeah, like, yeah. That was kind of important to Hillary because he wanted he didn't want to just like for Norgay to get right. forgotten. Right. Because he was like, well, obviously, I wouldn't have made it up without this guy. We did right. this together. Like, um, again, the difference between an actual explorer, which Hillary for sure was, and um, what these people yeah. are doing, you know? Yeah. It's even the difference between, like, fucking James Cameron and what these people right. are doing. Um, anyway, Oof. big Jim. Uh, so... <laughs> what what are we gonna do? I, I don't know. So I, there 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 keeps being stuff come out about this. Like right before this episode went out, I ran across a story about a guy named Arthur Loibel, who was a he he's one of the guys who went down to the Titanic with Ocean Gate. His first trip was delayed by five hours because of electrical issues, and the second dive was abandoned for unknown reasons. <laughs> um, and then on on the Titan's fifth dive, which he was down for. Before it left, a bracket from a balancing tube on the vessel broke off and they reattached it with zip ties. Oh, man. And like, you know, again, plenty of signs. Uh, look, it's it's one of those things if like Loibel had been on this thing when it imploded or Shinrick, you know, you know I, I don't think I would have cared too much about it. And I don't really, I don't feel bad. Everyone here should have known what they were getting themselves into and, and they made a choice. Um, I don't, you know, Hamish Harding made his money in the private jet industry and was a seasoned adventure tourist. He had every opportunity to understand this was a bad idea. Um, I think he just wanted, you know, he was a gambler in a lot of ways. And I think he was kind of addicted to this. And I, I don't know about Narjolet, Cameron, James Cameron did an appearance because he and and PH were friends and he was like, I don't understand it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me why he did this. I don't, I don't know the guy. I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze him. I did find interviews with him where he would talk about stuff like when he was at the bottom, you know, in earlier dives near the Titanic, he would find himself almost staying to the point where his batteries couldn't handle it anymore or where like his oxygen was kind of low and have to re- like force himself to come back up. He was just so entranced right. down there. Um, and I don't think he, obviously, I'm not saying, I don't think he was like suicidal, but he he talked a lot about how you know, if it goes wrong, you're dead before you realize anything is wrong. He was a, an old man. He was in his 70s. I think he had just kind of made peace with the fact that this was what he loved yeah. and he would take do anything he could to get down there. And, you know, if he dies, he dies. Um, so I, I don't feel bad for him. Again, he made a, a, a certainly an educated yes. choice to be in that situation. I certainly the only one I'm actively glad about is Rush because he deserved he he got all these people killed. He would have gotten more people killed and he would have like become a made money helping to frack yeah. the planet if he could have like fuck. I fuck mean, that he's guy. like like he's a piece every of shit. smirking piece of video too. really does just like this. You know, it's if you're not going to feel like any something like this is justified, you know, fine. But like the man was literally asking for it several times on video. Yes. He desperately de- want, he begged the universe to kill him at the bottom of <laughs> <Yeah>. the ocean. <laughs> um, and like, the, so I, I will say the only person I really do feel bad about on that boat uh, was Suleiman Dawood. Yeah. who was the 19 year old son of Shazawa Dawood, who was a Pakistani billionaire. He was obsessed with the Titanic. He was kind of an adventure tourist previously. Um, he desperately wanted to do this. One family source says that Shazada or that Suleiman, his kid was like really scared and didn't want to do this, but like it was father's day. 
Um, this was like kind of their Father's Day thing that they were doing, and he felt like kind of pressured to go with his right. dad. Um, right. Another article I read said that he was going to try to like do a Rubik's Cube at the bottom of the sea and like be the first person to do that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like he he was the one who was both being yeah. pressured by his dad, which is not a situation that's like most 19 yeah. year olds are capable of being pressured by their parents. And also not doesn't have the life experience to have known what he was getting himself into. I, I, I don't feel at all bad for the rest of them. They yeah. all made their bed and, and now they get imploded in it. Yeah. It, it's yeah, I know mm-hmm. that's, that's like the clear dark moment in this and then everything else it's really like especially the more you learn it is like these people are yeah. unbelievably repellent yeah they 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 chose this yeah. they chose to like make a dumb gamble yeah, it's like feeling bad that somebody puts their life savings on like 21 black on a craps table like well i guess that sucks for you but like what did you yeah. <laughs> did you really think that was gonna work yeah, yeah. um yeah anyway yeah. That's the this is like this is like the put your money where your mouth is of like all my apes are gone. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are you laughing at the fact that like you know somebody lost <laughs> oh, their life savings? Thank you for having well, me. I'm laughing on at the a fact timely that one. They this, this one is <laughs> by yeah. uh, by far the least. <laughs> this time we we could we we could have a chuckle. You know what? And maybe maybe. Yeah, this is also one of the first episodes I've been on where something resembling justice happened. So I don't know where I am. Like one thing I'm frustrated about is that from what I can tell, a lot of like mainstream sources are trying to portray him as like this this tragic figure where he was he just loved exploration. He was pushing boundaries so much. And, you know, this horrible, horrible thing happened. We're like, no, this is the story of a drunk driver. Right. Like this is like it's like if it's like if a guy like crashes his fucking car into a school bus because he's hammered and he's like, well, he was boldly right. experimenting with how much cocaine and vodka he could manage a motor vehicle on. You know, he was pushing the frontiers of human knowledge. Yeah. He's certainly pushing, um, pushing no, a man, limit, he, but it's like, come on, yeah. motherfuckers. A dumb one. Yeah. Like, what's the dumbest boat that you can get people killed on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, and, uh, you know. For the folks that are that all that get all ornery about like, well, people have died, so we have to like be super somber about it. Um, you know, yeah. if that's the way you want to react, we can. But like, I do remember how the most popular thing on the old internet was the fucking Darwin Awards. And say what you want about it, but sometimes people do yeah. stuff that makes it hard to be sympathetic for them. You know, yeah. like. If you if you if you pay to compete in the international Russian roulette championships, I'm not gonna feel bad if you if you shoot yourself, you know? Like you, you got you you were the one who chose to yeah. do that. No one made you do and that. And I think it's just like all the sympathy stuff, it's like that is so unbelievably asymmetric. You know, again, I think my response to that, mm-hmm. I think I said it last episode, is like, fine, if you if you don't think it's appropriate, you know, to to quote hate these people. I just know that I personally love them less than anyone else who was inconvenienced unfairly yeah. last week. That's all. That's where I'm at. I love them less than that. Yeah, I, I also love them yeah. less than any amount of money we spent trying to find them. But that's fine. I yeah. love them, quote unquote. That's a whole. Uh, that's that's a whole other conversation too. Because like I don't know. I think the Coast Guard's attitude is reasonable. Where they're like, well, we don't 
we don't talk about like what it costs. Like it, it, we, we are not, we do not make rescuing people into like a, um, you know, a cost benefit sort of thing. Like that is not what the Coast Guard's job is. I do feel like maybe we as a culture should have a conversation about like, when do we make rich people pay for, <laughs> for, yeah. for getting rescued in, in situations like this? Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's probably good for the Coast Guard to not ever think about things that way, right? Same thing with like any kind of search and rescue people. Um, yeah. That's not what they're there for. It's like a firefighter. Firefighters shouldn't be calculating, you know, to what extent is this, how much is this house worth versus how much is this costing? But yeah. like, if you choose to live in the middle of like a fire plane and like burn your trash every day, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of like, if there's a fire, maybe you should get in trouble. I don't know. Like, I mean, whatever. yeah, the, um, the counterpoint to that though, is that like firefighters, maybe not individual firefighters or fire captains. It's not, you know, they're, they're not exactly calculating the value of a home, but the fact, you know, there is asymmetric service for different areas. And those just so happen to line up with race and socioeconomics. So like I, there is a world where like making it a soft policy that gets violated in like soft ways uh, is actually contributing more to the inequity. Like again, lots of other people died even at sea last week. And you know, these guys for sure got top tier service. No, they got more money has been spent on them than has been spent ref, like rescuing refugees whose boats, you know, capsized in the Mediterranean yeah. probably yeah. ever like may, maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I do think, you know, look, Mia Culpa here. We uh, I just spent a whole week talking about Stockton Rush, and it's because like, um, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. And this is what I, I decided yeah, to read about. Of that course. Week, right. There's an extent to which like. I was just following the story because I'm fascinated by stories of like hubris, like te- especially like tech asshole yeah. hubris. And at a certain point last week, it was like, oh, shit, I ran out of time to research anything else. I guess we're talking <laughs> Stockton Rush. <laughs> um, but it is I mean, I, what I do think is amazing about this is that it is like a perfect, perfect, like Icarus right. story. Like it really is. Like the whole thing, like every beat down to the last bet, yeah. like last story note. It's amazing. If I may, it's anyway, it's Dickerous. Dickerous. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's what this that's motherfucker this is. Ugh. Eh. All right. Well, listen, folks, that's the episode. If people try to tell you, you know, this guy was an explorer, you can now tell them why they're wrong. But if a friend of yours, someone you know or whatever brings up a conspiracy theory about how like these people got murdered because they were going to expose <laughs> that the Titanic was blown up with a bomb to s- stop people from, you know, opposing the, the, the federal, you know, uh, the, or the fed or the, the moving away from the gold standard. Right. If you want to do that right. shit, um, if that's, if that's, if that's, if that gets brought up to you, just make sure that person knows that Stockton Rush's granddad or whatever, uh, was was running Bohemian Grove, you know? Throw that in there. You can yeah. add, you can make the problem worse. Why not? At this yeah, point, it, yeah, yeah. you know, might as well. Right. If they're going to believe that shit, there's no saving them. Yeah. Give them, give them a little something, something more to think about. Yeah. Andrew, do you have right. anything you want to plug? That's, uh, uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
I'll just I'll just do a quick plug. Uh, I know we're off sync on timing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. My podcast is Yo Is This Racist, and we do premium episodes. Uh, and you can subscribe at suboptimalpods.com, which is where we do the non-racist fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed any any of my bullshit, uh, check it out, please. Woo! Yes, check out Andrew T. Guest extraordinaire. And the next time. Uh, the next time a multi-millionaire, you know, son of an oil dynasty asks if you want to see the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> you know, do whatever you want to do. I'm not your fucking dad. <laughs> Pretty sure Robert's not your dad. Okay, bye. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com or Check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.